Hey, Down to Brown friends. You are about to listen to the 50th episode. Holy shit. Isn't that amazing? I did wonder myself, though. 50 is really cool when we talk about human years. We have literally a person who has lived half a century, has so much experience, and is about to live their wisest years yet. What does it mean, though, when it's 50 episodes of a podcast, right? It's not the same. I mean, if you look from a time perspective, the first episode, the introduction, was released on October 29th of 2020. And now this episode that you're listening to released on March 23rd of 2022. So that's a really short time gap, but 50 episodes within. So it's basically dog years on crack. As I was sitting to think about how I wanted to introduce this episode, I was also reflecting on this 50 milestone and what I learned and equally important, what I unlearned. The more and more I think about the episodes and the women that I've been so privileged to talk to and our allies as well, is that we are at a pivotal time. It's a pivotal time because first, We have a ton of children of immigrants on this journey trying to understand a primarily American U.S. experience with another strong, rich, complex culture. And both cultures, American and where our family is from, are nuanced. They have lots of amazing things. They have lots of problematic practices. And so trying to make sense of all of them and figure out, okay, what is the unique permutation and combination of who I am as a result of these? And then also, who am I without these influences? What if I want to start new traditions or new ways of thinking or living? So this is kind of a complicated journey. What I mean by this is not woe is me, but rather this is a time for us to feel emboldened. Think about it. Many of the brown women whether you identify as one or your friends, loved ones, are for the first time in their lives spending a period of their lives, a significant period in their lives where they're not living with their parents, but they're not yet with their partners. We get to live by ourselves and rent apartments and work and date our own people that we want to date, find out what we want in our lives for marriage, who we're attracted to. And this is something that has not always been, unfortunately, a luxury that people could have because of some of the social norms. And this is, I'm not just speaking to South Asia. America has its own issues around these things too. But I do feel like this is a really exciting time to explore and also uplift each other in that exploration to learn, unlearn, and become the most authentic version of yourselves, the one that feels most honest to you. I firmly believe that by doing this, we can participate in the larger experience of the American of life that we live in a way that feels real. For example, the summer of 2020, when we saw the devastating murder of George Floyd and then the subsequent Black Lives Matter movement resurface. In fact, my fiance and I lived in downtown Oakland. We had just moved in January 2020. And so we experienced the pandemic. And then we also saw literally in front of our apartments, the riots, the protests, the cops, the gun, the gas fires, the helicopters, everything. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I felt so privileged to be able to participate so intimately, to be able to watch this very historical moment happen and reckoning happen that needed to happen. 
And I remember also the South Asian community having a lot of conversations about how to show up. We knew it was wrong, what was going on. We still had to also process, though, the fact that there was an Asian cop in the situation. There is a history of model minority and white association. There is a pattern of anti-racist behavior and conversations in religion, cultural norms, et cetera, from where we're from. And there, there was all this that we had to reconcile before we could even figure out how to then show up as respectful allies who weren't making this about us, but there to support our sister community. And so I always think of that as an example also of where some of the momentum happened as well for us to really think about how are we showing up as BIPOC communities supporting each other. And I really hope that by doing things like what we're doing in Down to Brown, where we investigate different facets of our South Asian American experience so that we can make sense of it, at least better sense of it, and then feel a bit more healed so that we can even help others show up with a voice that feels like true and ours. And so all that said, guys, that is why I'm so proud of Down to Brown. I'm so grateful for these 50 episodes because it has given me so much to process, but also more importantly, that I was just truly blessed to be in the presence of so many incredible brown women and their allies who are thinking about similar themes in their own ways and their own industries and work that they do. All right, I'll stop all my feelings and move over to our guest. I'm talking to Namrata Rohak, who is a yoga teacher by day. And she actually reached out to me herself to ask if I was interested in talking about something she felt really passionate about, which is her journey of becoming pregnant and also experiencing pregnancy loss. She realized that when she was trying to become pregnant, she learned so much about herself and what mattered to her and not to be a people pleaser and find joy in her own life. She created a company called Tranquil Lotus Yoga, and through the company, she uses yoga tools to help people bring some peace to their life, and especially, if she can, help other women who are experiencing this journey of fertility, infertility, pregnancy, and pregnancy loss. As someone who is not a mother myself, I could only sympathize as a woman, but I could not empathize because I don't know what it's like. However, I will say that we, when we did a poll on our Instagram, we saw that a whopping 96 to 98% of folks knowing someone or personally experiencing pregnancy loss themselves. So this is something that is becoming normalized, not only in the South Asian community, but the American community as well. We all know how people were freaking out when Beyonce shared her miscarriage. It was a huge deal. And it's because I'm realizing people have not made it okay for women to talk about this and feel okay and secure and confident that it's normal and it happens and the facts are very much that other people go through it too, but we just don't encourage that sharing. So I'm grateful to Namrata for bringing awareness to this, talking so vulnerably and courageously about her experiences. And we really hope to hear from you too if this resonates. So I'm, let's start with kind of the roots of this. Growing up, did you want to be a mother? And how did you think about motherhood? So growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. You know, I did a lot of babysitting when I was younger. And I had a couple of friends who had like younger brothers and sisters. 
And I would always, you know, sometimes when they were doing their own thing, my friend was doing their own thing, I would go and play with them or interact with them. So I had that connection with kids and I knew I always wanted to be a mom. Um, and motherhood for me, like I, growing up, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be this amazing thing. You know, I'm going to be enriching this child, you know, and babysitting is like the fun part of it, right? Like you don't yeah. see the throw, you don't see, you know, the staying up late at night where they get sick. So motherhood, I know like, obviously I don't have kids now, but like now talking to my friends who do have kids, I know that was all like a fantasy that I would see in the movies or like, I thought totally. I had it in my head, you know? So. Totally. I think the pandemic has really helped sober up to the romanticism and not to say that it isn't beautiful. I think, um, you know, as someone who's not a mother herself yet, um, I feel like I'm like about to, when I do embark on one of the most incredibly fulfilling parts of the human experience. Yeah. However, in the meantime, when I see my coworkers or friends trying to navigate this pandemic with children, it's really clear, like how much work it is and how much they've had to put aside some of their own needs and priorities because you are responsible for this human that you brought into your life. And so um, it's a lot for sure. And I have so much appreciation for folks navigating this space right now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because during the pandemic, I had one of my friends who was a stay-at-home mom and, you know, at a certain point I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. So mm -hmm. we're kind of like the wild, wild west here, but you know, the time of when we were supposed to be quarantined for like two months, she was going crazy because she's like, I can't bring my kids anywhere. And they're just going crazy in this house because they need that. Like they need to go out. They need to explore. They need to do things other than just being in the house and watching TV. So I totally agree with you. On that. Yeah. And so now, you know, we're talking about that and you are pregnant. So congratulations. And so you're ready to embark on this difficulty and beautiful journey. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to be a mom and what, what like that you were ready for it, right? Not just, um, knowing when you're earlier, like in teens or, but now that you're at the step where you want to actually enact it. And then also when did, like, how did your conversations go with your partner as you came to that decision? You know what? It's, it's so interesting that you asked me this question because it literally was like, you know, I knew, I knew he wanted kids and we both wanted kids and the way I would see my husband like interact with his nieces and nephews, I knew he was gonna be a great dad. And like for me personally, like like I told you before, I just knew I always wanted to be a mom. So mm -hmm. we literally at one point were like, oh, let's start trying. Like that was we didn't even have like a deep in-depth conversation. Like, <laughs> right, let's have sex, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm so glad you said that because that's like my one thing about like when people are like, Oh, we're trying, and like so you're fucking like, this is like what you're doing. And like, now you're just like openly saying that, but we won't talk about it if it's for fun, but if it's for reproduction, we can totally say it. I know it's, it's like, you know, I think also, you know, South Asian culture is, can be conservative. And yeah. So I think when people are like, oh, are you trying to have a baby? You know, they, they don't like, you know, fucking is such yeah, <laughs> You know, for me, like, you know, in South Asian culture, and I'm sure you've dealt with this too, like, literally right after I got married, not even like six months after, you know, my grandma would be like, so when am I going to have like great grandkids? My aunts and uncles would be like, are you guys trying? Are you going to start a family? And I'm like, I literally just got married 
Yeah. I'm trying to like enjoy this marriage. I miss it. You know, it was interesting because for two years, like we had people pressuring us, but we were like, we want to live our life. And then when we're ready, we're ready. Yeah. I'm very lucky that I had a mom who wasn't like, all right, when am I getting grandkids? It was my aunts and uncles and other people in my family. So it was a very interesting like dynamic because I'm like, my mom's not asking me about my aunts and uncles. But my aunts and uncles also live in India too. My mom is here in America. So I guess she was just like, all right, whenever you're ready, you're ready. So. Yeah. Interesting is a very good way of putting it because yeah. A, to our earlier point, it's interesting how we don't talk about sex at all growing up. You're like not even supposed to know about <laughs> like the existence of romance. And then all of a sudden it's like, when are you getting married? How, are you going to have kids? And you're like, do I even know what sex is? You know, and like, you're just kind of on your own figuring that out. So first of all, there, therein lies a flaw, but then secondly, you're right. Like the pressure that you get, it's interesting because, um, to your point, like your mom's not even putting that on. Right. And at some point you're like, then who is this really for? Like what, what comfort do your aunts and uncles, for example, get by just knowing that you're trying versus just like living your best life. So it's always like, I wonder why there's even this narrative of like, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You're like, at what point does it ever end? Like the, are you getting around to this life thing? (laughs) I definitely agree. And it's, and I agree with your point where you're like, oh, wait, they don't talk about sex. And then they ask, Hey, when are you getting pregnant? Cause then. Well, I have to um, penetrate this topic, pun intended. Um, (laughs) So when did you first learn about, like, how, when did you first meet like the concept of like, oh, this is how people make babies. When did that happen for you? It It was later in life for me too. So just to help you feel better. It was in college. It Mm -hmm. was in college, you know, it's like my friends, I didn't really date in college, but I had friends who were dating and, you know, they talked about their relationships and they're like, oh my God, I'm so afraid I want to get pregnant. I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, I knew what sex was. Yeah. Like I was, I was like, what are you talking about? And then they like, they, my friends were the ones that educated me. Like, okay, so this is what happens when you make a baby. And I'm like, really? Yeah. I know it seems so foreign, right? When people are explaining it to you, especially like a lot of the, like I learned it without even knowing what really sex was and like what that even like feels like to have that urge for someone because it's just so young again, like, because you're not exposed to it, encouraged to date or anything. So, um, it's, it's such an abstract concept until it happens. And in some way, I feel like it's a disservice to our journeys as like South Asian women, because you really take so long to even get there that the time span between you knowing and like you actually like you know in the time that you're like about you know ready to get pregnant get married and it's a lot of catching up to do in a very short period of time I'd love to ask you about your pregnancy journey of course so my pregnancy journey has been so it's been like very interesting so we started trying in end of the end of 2018 and then you know 2019 was like one of the most emotional years for me and it was like every month I was getting my period and it wasn't only emotional for me also for my husband and like Mm -hmm. you know it was um I didn't realize how hard it was for him until I just saw him like break down it was towards um 2019 Mm -hmm. and he was like I'm so tired of this like we had so many friends who like recently just had babies and got pregnant 
And we were just like, why is this happening to us? You know, I get my period every month. We're both healthy. You know, yeah. we don't do any hard drugs or anything. Right. You know? So it was like a very, 2019 was a very, very hard year. And then in 2020 was um, when we were like, all right, let's go to the fertility clinic, which was one of the most intimidating places ever. Yeah. Because, you know, it's very, um, they're, they don't have that compassion, which I, you know, it's a doctor, you know? Yeah. And, you know, maybe I just went to a clinic that didn't have, the doctors didn't have good um, bedside manner, but it was a very like, all right, this is what's wrong with you. <laughs> and mm. this is what we're going to do. Like, for example, the doctor thought I had endometriosis. So I had to get um, tested for that, a, lot of, a bunch of blood tests. And then with my, my husband, they did, you know, the sperm test and everything. And yeah. Was fine. And so the doctor was like, oh, your husband is fine. There's just something wrong with you. And I'm like, oh okay. my gosh. Yeah. As a woman, soften like, that comms a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And then he was saying, you know, we need to do more tests for endometriosis. And so I had to like, um, they checked my tubes. Um, they checked like my uterus to see if I had any cysts or if, you know, um, anything was like in my uterus and everything was fine. And so I got my test back and they were like, okay, well, you have endometriosis. Mm. And the only way we can actually, um, you know, well, they didn't say exactly I had endometriosis. They're like, there's a high percentage you have endometriosis because with endometriosis, it's like they have to do a laparoscopy and mm-hmm. they have to go inside. What is that? Yeah. So and, um, endometriosis, that's when they're scarring around the uterus. Uh-huh. So for me, me personally, like the egg couldn't implant in my uterus. Oh, okay. So I hope, I think I'm saying this right. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, my egg couldn't implant in my uterus. So they had to like remove the scarring. So they had to go in um, via laparoscopy. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's a very minor surgery. And it's, it's done a lot. So in June of 2020, I got that surgery done. And it was like, it was scary because I'm like, all right, they're going in my body you yeah, know yeah like, that's a pretty you know, invasive in my uterus and then for me I looked up a lot of um Facebook groups endometriosis like support groups um I found a lot of support I actually had a couple of friends who have got that procedure done they just never really talked about it so oh, wow. I felt at ease. yeah and I don't it's hard to like bring up like hey I'm getting this surgery done because we can't you know we're having a hard time conceiving yeah. but when, once I shared you know that's where a lot of people would share it with me so, you know, I got it done in June of 2020. And so they're like, all right, you're, you're going to try. This was like their plan. So they said, try naturally for like four months. And then if it doesn't happen in four months, we'll like move on to something else. Yeah. So yeah, four months goes along and I'm like, all right, we have to call in. So they have this pill, it's called Lytrazol mm-hmm. and it helps with ovulation. And so they're like, all right, when you get your period next, call us and then we'll just give you a prescription. Mm-hmm. So I'm like waiting to get my period, waiting, never got it. And I was pregnant. I didn't realize how much the mind-body connection would help with pregnancy because once I was like, all right, when do you get my period? <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I got pregnant and it's, you know, for me, like, and for people who are trying to conceive, it's it's a very, I think it's a very hard concept to grasp because you want it so bad and it's something natural, you know, like if you want to be a mom, it's something that it's natural and you're like, okay, I don't understand. I'm trying to relax. 
And it, I think it takes some time to actually understand the mind-body connection. And so I got pregnant um, and I was, uh, so at the time I found out I was five weeks. And so they wanted me to come like every week to the clinic. So I went every week and everything was fine. Like everything was fine. And then um, it was, you know, I graduated to my regular OB. And so like, I went at 10 weeks, everything looked great. I went for my 14 week ultrasound and everything was great too. And so the next day I started like spotting and it was like very abnormal. I'm like, okay, this is just, maybe something just has happened, you know? I didn't want to psych myself up and be like, oh my God, I'm losing this child. But it's like, okay, let me just call them. So I called them and they did an ultrasound and everything was fine. So. I'm like, okay, everything is fine. So I go back, you know, I drive back home and, you know, I'm talking to my husband and my parents. I'm like, everything looks good. So that actually that night was when I lost the baby, which was the most surprising thing ever because during that day, you know, they looked and they're like, the heartbeat's there. Everything is fine. And so I'm, and I did, looking back, you know, I was like, oh, these are the signs of, when you lose a baby. So my water broke. I didn't realize my water broke. I thought I just peed myself. Um, I saw my mucus plug. I, I wiped them like, this is weird. And I was like spotting a lot more. But I want, I think in my head, I wanted to be like, no, the baby's fine. The mm -hmm. baby's fine. And so when I went to the bathroom, I, you know, I went to the bathroom and I saw something. And that was like, I was like, holy crap, I, I lost the baby. And so I had to call the hospital. Um, I, I, you know, I called the ambulance, called 911, went to the hospital. It was like literally a really, really bad night, you know? And the one thing is they don't, in the hospital, they don't have a section just for people who are losing their pregnancy. So I'm surrounded mm -hmm. around like babies crying. They put me in this room where it was like, here's how to do like skin to skin sensation with your baby, how oh, to swallow your baby. And so there are all these triggers while I'm sitting here like crying my eyes out because I lost this child, which I've been trying to have for so long. And it was like, it was insane how, how fast it happened and how sudden it happened. And I know there are like other ways to lose a pregnancy where, you know, you go to the ultrasound and you go to the heartbeat. And I didn't realize that something like this could happen. I was like, all right, I got my surgery done for endometriosis. I'm pregnant. I've gone through this, um, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with my fertility. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm pregnant. It's going to stick. But it was like, it was just a, a whole like punch in the face after it happened. Numberth, I'm so, so sorry that happened to you. Like, as I was listening to this, it, I, I can see like your pain in your, and like hear your pain in your voice. Um, I know like now you are pregnant, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that it was not, you know, it doesn't change the fact how devastating that experience is. You went through so much to get there. Yeah. And so I actually want to understand, like, how did you deal with that emotion and grief? So dealing with emotion and grief was honestly, one of the hard, like last year was one of the hardest years of of my life because it's not only you're losing this child you're supposed to have, you're losing the memories. You're losing mm -hmm. like the life that you imagined you're gonna yeah. have with this child. So 
emotionally, I was, I gave myself a lot of space to like, to feel my feelings. And um, I, I um, contacted a therapist too. So contacting a therapist, and it was hard to find a therapist to empathize yeah. and understand the situation because some of them just really suck. So it took me a long time um, to find someone and, you know, just leaning in on friends who really supported me because during that time that I, I went through my, my grieving process, you know, initially people were so supportive, but as time went on, um, and then I was very vocal, you know, I'm vocal on my social media about what I went through. Um, I'm very vocal with other people. Like I, I, I know some people don't like to talk about, but for me, it's like, I think it's important to talk about because it's an issue that is just very quiet and, yeah. you know, and, and if you, if you don't want to sh- talk, share or talk about it, that's totally fine. But I think for me, the amount of support, like the people who are like, oh, congratulations on your pregnancy, more than half of them didn't even say, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Like literally, I wish someone would have like acknowledged the people who didn't say that would like acknowledge the pain, you know, it's, and then also, absolutely. I think yeah, people tend so- to feel like um, it's almost like about them more than you at that point. Like even when people face, it is a loss of a life. Right. And even when people who have, you know, adults or, you know, relatives who pass, like people don't bring it up sometimes because they're like, well, I don't want to make things awkward or remind them. But I don't think the more and more I talk to people, it seems like the sentiment is at least acknowledged though. Like, please don't pretend like it didn't happen to me because it's such a big part of my life. It doesn't mean we have to go into it. I might not even want to talk about it, but it's nice to know, like I'm seen. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's all we want that's all we want in life to be seen, right? Like mm-hmm. in whatever situation. So um, for me, it, that was that was hard. And then emotionally, like my emotions were up and down. And on top of that, I'm like, I wanted people to know that like, yeah, I'm sad about it, but I'm not going to be like a killjoy all the time. You know, I want to talk about it once in a while. And sometimes I do want to be invited out to do something. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I want to like be seen. I want to hang out with, and I had a, I had a few friends who stopped talking to me for some time and they told me they were like, I didn't know what to say. And I was like, literally, you could have said anything. Like you could have been like, Hey, let's hang out and get ice cream or Hey, let's see a movie, you know? And yeah. I would have been okay with it. Another thing is um, at work, I think at work was like the worst. I mean, I'm working from home, which I think was such a blessing, but also a curse at the same time, because, you know, working from home, I could feel my emotions. I didn't have to, you know, kind of just, yeah exactly and then but then I was like I miss seeing people because I needed that socialization you know and then mm-hmm. and that's the thing like we're also kind of in a pandemic so you know we we couldn't really go anywhere because I would have loved to go on a trip you know I would love to go to like Europe or just yeah. get away for a while but we couldn't do that so it I, I think pregnancy loss is so hard but during the pandemic it's like 10 times harder because you can't really go anywhere <laughs> you know, you're isolated from your friends. And my emotions were all over the place. And the one thing I do regret is putting like a timeline on my grief. I was like, all right, three months, I'm going to be okay. You oh know, gosh, yeah. I'm gonna, and that was like, that was before I went through all this. And, you know, I've had a little bit of, um, you know, grief education. And I'm like, this is going to be a lifelong thing. And it, it might not be like, you know, initially when it happened, like almost every other day, I was just, crying all the time and really upset but now it's like you know your grief kind of lives with you um 
but then I saw this, I saw this, uh, this graphic and it had like a picture of, um, a jar and it had a picture of your, a ball, which is your grief. So initially the ball is like taking up the whole jar, mm-hmm. but then as time goes on, the ball gets smaller and smaller. But then sometimes you have like episodes where you're like, holy crap, you're grieving. It's just like something triggered you and the ball gets bigger. So it was a very interesting representation of grief. And I think it helped me a lot because there are days, even though I'm pregnant now, there are days where I'm like, holy crap, you know, if that pregnancy loss didn't happen, my child, so my due date for um, my first pregnancy was June 15th. I was like, my kid will almost be one by now. You know, yeah, so it's of course, like, it's hard not to feel the presence, right? Of yeah. I and also, how is that with your husband too? Like, how how did that affect your relationship? And you know, I've always been um, not curious, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But if it happens, I wonder how couples navigate that. I imagine so, it's much more complicated. Oh my god! Yeah, it's so I'm lucky because um, we had an open communication and there were times where I I would see him just bawling his eyes out and he would he would like just spill his guts out to me and I wouldn't say anything and I would just let him say what he needs to say and then I would like be in that position where I would just spill my guts out and he would you know just listen and um we try to do a lot of like activities together um I'm in Florida so like a lot of time during the year it's very sunny and nice so we worked on our yard a lot. That was like, um, I guess something that helped us heal. And another thing that really helped us is like, we had little signs of like, oh, he's like giving us signs that everything is okay. So um, when he was in my belly, we called him Ludu. Mm. So we were just like, <laughs> oh, Ludu, he's giving us a sign. Like for example, so this, my pregnancy loss happened in December of 2020 and it gets a little bit colder. Um, and so we have this one plant, the hibiscus plant. And so it doesn't really bloom in December. It's just like mm-hmm. barren and brown. And so I think it was a week after the loss. And my husband, he was like upstairs. He's like, oh my God, there's like 10 little blooms on this hibiscus plant. And so we kind of saw it as like a sign that like, oh, he's like reaching out to us and telling us everything's okay. And so we had a lot of like really good conversations. Um, my husband did not want to go to therapy, so I did not want to push him. But it's a lot of like open communication, being honest with each other and just, you know, and giving each other space too. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, it's so uh, touching to know that you found moments where you could both feel like you connected to that experience and honor it, like the hibiscus story. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like at some point, like even as you were trying were there any negative feelings towards each other? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. There were times where, where it's like, I think I would see things that I thought he was doing that was considered unhealthy. And I would like get mad at him. Like you shouldn't be doing that. Like, you know, we had like literally a drink just to relax. It's like, you know, you shouldn't be drinking because you're trying again. Or if I wasn't doing something for like us to help us get pregnant for example if I was like eating too much like chocolate or he's eating a lot my husband would be like hello we're trying to get pregnant so it was it, it was angry feelings it was to do with us getting pregnant yeah 
Did you ever feel like, um, and this is maybe me projecting a little bit, so let me know, but sometimes I feel like when even like people say like, we are pregnant, um, I'm like, how generous, because I am so (laughs) grateful for your donation, but I'm the one going through this physically. Um, And of course, like I even like make fun with my husband now. I'm like, when you're never going to say we are pregnant, I am pregnant. You're expecting a child. Um, You're welcome. So I'm curious, like, you know, when this happens, it is you Mm -hmm. that is going through the body trauma. And um, like, I cannot imagine how harrowing that experience was that day for you. How, Mm -hmm. how did you manage that feeling? Or did that not even occur to you? And maybe I'm just kind of a dick, but like, you know, did you ever think about that? Like where you're like, I had to go through this though, even though it's difficult for both of us, which of course that's the biology of it. But, um, there is a part that feels to me like more of it is felt by the woman because physically it's happening to her. Yeah. So I think, I think like you, I think you explained it perfectly because physically all these changes are happening to my body, but emotionally he's, my husband is feeling probably the same way I'm feeling now, you know, for my pregnancy, because um, initially when he found out we were pregnant, it was a lot of anxiety, not just on my end, but on his end. Cause it's like, you know, so when that pregnancy loss happened, I was going to the bathroom like literally every 10 minutes. So for him, his trigger was whenever I go to the bathroom, and his heart would just stop and he'd be like, okay, is, is everything okay? Like, you know, that's, that's his trigger. Like, phys- even though physically he's not going through it, emotionally it was affecting him. And so yeah. I think, and he understands, like I told him, I'm like, oh my God, my body's changing and I'm so anxious. And he's like, I, I get it. He's like, I don't, I don't feel, I understand I'm not feeling what you're feeling. And I think another one thing he said is like, I can't, if you're feeling something, I can't control what you're feeling. That mm-hmm. was like the one thing he was saying, cause he wanted to make me feel better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that's the one thing I know. I, I feel the same way about like, Oh, we're pregnant. And he, my husband wanted to say we are pregnant. Cause I'm like, okay, if you want to say that, that's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a hard, like, I don't, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like we're not pregnant. I'm pregnant. But then I'm like, yeah, he did. He didn't have put some sperm in me, but I'm dealing with all these body like right. things going on. So. I know it's a really tricky one because um yeah, at some point <laughs> yeah. too, people might be like, yo, like you gotta like stop seeing everything as like <laughs> I did this, you did not yeah. do this, or you did this. So yeah, um, exactly. but um maybe I'm just not there yet. <laughs> so um, and I'm also again like I'll reiterate, I'm speaking as someone who has not gone through pregnancy yet. So um I could be just naive in that way. Um, but I would love to pick back up. So you left us where, um, this had happened. Mm -hmm. And so what happened after, and were you like hesitant a little bit to get, try to get pregnant again? Definitely. After that traumatic experience, I was just like, am I meant to be a mother? There's a lot of questioning of, is this supposed to happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Um, I, I knew, I knew a few people that it happened to, but not as traumatic as me, um, you know, because I was literally in my second trimester. You know, I know for, I know it's really common in your first trimester, but second trimester pregnancy losses are not that common. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, what is going on with my body? Is that God's way tell, of telling me that I shouldn't have a baby? And I know that's not true. You know, initially when that happens, you're just like, why? why? You know, it's yeah. the number one question, why? And all that, I had a lot of anger too. I was very angry. Um, so the number one thing is 
you know, I did, so I was seeing a fertility dietitian all throughout um, 2020 to help me with like my diet. Cause I had, I have endometriosis. So with that, you know, changing your diet up a little bit does help. Um, and it wasn't like restricted where I can't have carbs or dairy. She just was like, you know, you can have it once in a while, but maybe you should have more protein and fat with your meals, like more often. Right. Um, so I did, uh, have a conversation with her again and, um, you know, I talked to her and she works on a whole, um, more holistic, um, way, which is what I like. And so she suggested that I wait some time to heal, just not even, not just physically, but emotionally. Because, you know, trying again after that whole experience is, I, I know some people do, but I was yeah. like, there is no way I'm going to do that. You know, I need some time to heal and just get with my thoughts. So I waited about um, two to three months. Mm-hmm. And so then I went back to my OB just to get, you know, checked out. But I saw new OB because the one I was seeing initially was just very bad bedside manner. Um, after, a week after my pregnancy loss, she was like, well, at least you got your first loss out of the way. It was just really what? bad. Yeah, yeah it's, they, I, I don't know if it's because it happens a lot. They just have to like put this shield up where they have no emotion. But I found a better OB and she was very compassionate. And, you know, she's like, you know, everything looks good. She looked at my paperwork and was like, explained every little thing to me because there's a lot like, you know, there's a lot of medical jargon, which I didn't understand. And she was like, yeah, I don't see any of you guys trying again. So actually, you know, we tried and then actually in May, I had another pregnancy loss, but it was very early on. So it was like, I want to say five weeks, four to five weeks. And um, I so tested early. Doesn't make it any easier. So I'm really yeah, sorry. Exactly. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, regardless of when you lose your child or whenever you have your pregnancy loss, it does not make it easier. Right. Um, but, you know, we're like, holy crap, we're pregnant again. And the second time it happened, um, I literally took, so I found out on a Friday that I was pregnant. And so I literally took like a pregnancy test mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday I started bleeding again. And so I went back to the OB and, you know, I, I took the, the pregnancy test and they're like, we're so sorry. You know, it, it doesn't, doesn't show that you're pregnant. And so at this point, I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Do I need to get tested again? Like, what's going on? And so she was just like, it's so early in the pregnancy, and this happens, it's pretty common. Mm. But some people, like women, think it's just a period. So she was like, all right, just go on. I mean, and she was very, like I said, very compassionate. So she just told me, you know, to keep doing what I'm doing. And she, she was the one that also told me that it's like a mind-body connection, yeah. which I totally agree with. Because at that time, I like wanted to get pregnant so bad because I'm like, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to have that joy. I was, I was missing, like, I felt like I was missing a piece of me, honestly. Because it's just, of course. yeah, because you like lose this child and you like, all right, I'm a, I'm gonna, I imagine my, my life being with this child, you know, having birthday parties, you know, with my, friend, my, my friend's kids. So it took me a long time to finally like, be like, all right, whenever it happens, it happens. So that was in May. And then, you know, we kind of just were like, all right, let's just keep trying. And I, and I think finally, um, finally, I was like, you know, I want to live my life and I don't want to keep my life on hold. So, you know, we took a couple of trips and I was like eyeing this yoga therapy program. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go with it because 
I want to help women who have gone through the same situation as me. And so once I signed up for the yoga therapy program, so I signed up for it and it started in September. And then in October, I found out I was pregnant. Wow. So I let go of the need to like be pregnant, which is, it's, I hate seeing that. I hate seeing that, but that's like what I did where I was like, I'm just going to focus on, you know, like this yoga therapy program, something I've wanted for so long. And I was putting that on hold because I'm like, I may get pregnant. So yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how my 2021 went and it was weird. And I had so many ups and downs and I had a lot of anger and like a lot of emotional outbursts. But I think the number one thing to remember is to just really be with your feelings yeah. and don't suppress them. Because when you suppress them, that's when, I think that's when like the, I don't want to, I guess you kind of, your body kind of holds on to it. And that's when the hurt happens too. Yeah. I really appreciate you highlighting that, like honoring mm-hmm. your feelings and, and truly like to what we were talking about earlier, like yes, we have part, like when in this, you'll, you might have a partner that you're working with and communicating through and processing, yeah. but it's also equally important to prioritize yourself and what you're experiencing. Exactly. Uh, I think the number one thing is to find joy in your life. Like yeah, find something that makes you happy. And cause you know, and, and I know how it feels like to like every month, like not getting pregnant. Um, and that's like a joy you want to have, you want to bring joy to the world. You want to like have this kid and experience life with this kid but you know it's like I think that we have to remember that there's other things that can bring us joy yeah absolutely which makes sense why earlier you said right with your friends you're like I I do want to go to the movies with you or do like right like getting that normalcy back where your life hasn't like stopped of course it feels like what you described I really like it, it really touched me like that piece of like you know you lose a little bit of yourself Um, and especially like the way you put it, like, it kind of made me wonder, like, it's like almost like you lose this potential too, right? Like this idea of your life and what you were hoping to give to someone else. And so it makes sense. And the way that you can often come back to it is perhaps, you know, again, as someone who is humbly speaking from a different point of view is, um, going back into like caring and participating in social experiences with your community and people to feel that again. Yeah. Yeah. And then asking for help when you need it. I think that's so Mm -hmm. important too. We don't, we don't want to be a burden. And in my mind, I was like, I don't want to be a burden to someone. And we think that if we ask for help that, you know, some, and honestly, some people are are just going to be like, oh, I'm so busy, but there are your people, there are people truly who are your friends who are going to be like, yeah, I'll be there. Just call me, you know, and I'll be there and like, in a couple minutes, you know, or yeah, just call me whenever, call me like at two o'clock in the morning, which I had like maybe two to three friends who were like that. And I'm, I'm so thankful for them. And, you know, I'm, even though the friends who I don't really talk to and I kind of move on, I'm okay with that. But it kind of shows me that these are the friends that like are my ride or die and they'll be here like whenever something crappy happens to me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, like what you think about you know, at least from, again, like a different perspective, I, um, where, and not to make this about me, but I guess I'm providing, um, kind of where I'm going with this question. Mm -hmm. So as someone who is, I have PCOS, so I know that Mm -hmm. pregnancy is going to be a little, maybe there's going to be a dimension of trickiness. However, like, you know, when South Asians, for example, they'll say like, oh, sometimes you have conservative, like uncles, aunties that are like, oh, like there, there were no gay people before. Where did they all come from? And you're like, (laughs) 
okay, um, it always existed. Uh, you just probably didn't know about it or people yeah. were, didn't feel comfortable saying it. And mm-hmm. so similarly, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, nowadays, like when people have these open conversations about what happens during pregnancy and the reproductive journey, yeah. I don't know if this is all happening suddenly, right? I wonder how many, how much of this people experience, but just never talked about it, which yeah. is why it's so valuable. Like I remember when Beyonce came out and talked about it like uh, yeah. several years ago, it meant so much for people because they were yeah. like, literally no one has like voiced this like so strongly, so influentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where I'm going with this is that like, I know that there's a part of our society and generation that has been, you know, maybe our diets have changed because of the hormones introduced in milk and whatever that like have influenced our bodies as women. Mm -hmm. But there's Mm -hmm. also a part where like, sometimes you, the reality might be that yes, the journey might be more difficult than we see on TV where like someone like looks at each other and like they're pregnant the next day. So (laughs) what advice do you have for people who are, um, you know, in our generation, perhaps having kids later in life, where they might experience some of these hurdles. Like what, what advice would you have for women like myself and others who are kind of nervous about it too, because we know that it could be a reality. So I would say just be open to always to get pregnant. Um, For me, initially I was like, I want to get pregnant the natural way. Like I was so set on that. I'm like, I don't want to take medicine. I don't want to do IVF. I don't want to do IUI. And I think science is amazing. I mean, there's like donor eggs, there's donor sperm. Um, just keeping an open mindset, I think, is the most important because, you know, sometimes life, we think that it's going one way. We're going to, you know, I thought I would have two kids by now. That's not yeah. the case, you know? So it's, just, it's really being open and understanding that your way, the way you want to get pregnant may not work, but there are other ways to have a child. Like, you know, it's, if you don't get pregnant naturally, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a kid. Mm-hmm. So just being open and, and if you're like in understanding that, yeah, you can be disappointed if you need to get IVF for IUI. Um, it's okay to be disappointed, but just know that yeah. you will get a child. That is such a great way. Like stay open and flexible to those options because yeah. ultimately they're there to help you have what you want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, and I think also I'm hoping you know, education of, as hopefully when our kids are growing up, we're like, okay, you know, pregnancy loss happens. There are many ways to have a child. I hope that's like part of the future too, honestly. Yeah. I know. I like, I will admit, I'm so nervous that like I froze my eggs, um, January of 2021. And Uh I almost want to just do it in a lab because I'm so nervous about the like, you know, like trial and error and like that anticipation. Yeah. I don't do well with like waiting on things. Um, yeah. So I'm like, should I just do that and just like be like, okay, it's like a transaction that like happens and like yeah. it's a one and done. Um, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's like nerve wracking, but I appreciate people like you who are open. About, like I, I cannot thank you enough for how you've been talking about this because it's so helpful to hear what ha- like literally we just don't know. I remember yeah. like when Ali Wong came out with her like, it wasn't the most recent, but the one before, I think it was a Cobra okay. Kai for yeah. standup. She talked about very graphically what happens after pregnancy. And like, <laughs> once you give birth, like what happens to your vagina and like, yeah. what is coming out of your body? And like, I was like, honestly, like I was mortified, but also like, no one told me this. Like my mom only tells me the romance of having children and how wonderful it is. So yeah. it's good to know. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think it's like, I think a lot of times our society focuses so much on toxic positivity. So anytime someone speaks up and like, hey, this happened to me, I'm not trying to bring you guys down. And this is just the reality of life. And they get so much hate for it. I just, I don't like that. So I think it's, it's part of our society too, honestly. Absolutely. Actually on that note, I'd love to ask, you know, in the Mm -hmm. future, we've kind of touched on this, but as we perhaps experience, you know, not that I wish this on anyone, but if this happens to people we know, Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you, what is the best way to support someone? What would you have wished that people would have said to you? So the number one thing I want to say is the at least common suck that at least you can get pregnant. At least yeah. you're pregnant this many, that, just at least in any sentence, please don't say that. I wish someone would be like, Hey, I know you're going through a hard time. A lot of people would be like, Hey, what can I do for you? And that's such an open-ended question. I'm not in the right mindset to be like, can you do this for me? <laughs> you yeah. Know? So I saw, I don't remember who this was, but someone showed their friend, you know, I think they also just went through a pregnancy loss and she gave her options where she was like, hey, I could bring a meal to you. And this lady had the kids too. I can pick up your kids from, from school. I can just like come over and listen to you. I can just come give you company. She gave her options of like, all right, what do you want me to do? And I was like, man, I wish someone did that to me because I had no clue how to answer that, you know? Yeah. So that's like, that's one good thing to do. And another one good thing is just to like, don't forget them, you know? Yeah. Um, if they're like, and just understand that they're not going to be sad all the time, you know, their emotions are going to be up and down and like varying and, you know, just being with them when they're in that uncomfortable place that they're in. Yeah, Absolutely. I know it shows a lot and it, it really goes to show that it's not about you. Like you, you yeah. really like, if you care, mm-hmm. if you want to be a friend, like be there for yeah. that person. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that's part of the, hopefully it'll give like a little bit of a shortcut for people to like, when they're like, oh, what do I do here? You know, yeah. I hope this advice helps them. Um, the other question I wanted to ask you was going back to what you had mentioned about your your parents yeah. your mom not putting pressure but you mentioned how your aunties and uncles are asking <laughs> yeah so when you were going through all this mm-hmm. what did your mom say versus your aunties and uncles <laughs> are you talking about my pregnancy like when I lost the baby yeah so my mom I think it was very interesting because I don't I don't you know I feel like our parents got pregnant when they were way younger so they've never gone through this my mom was very confused about what to do because I had a lot of family friends who were getting pregnant and she, she wouldn't tell me that these people were pregnant until they had their baby. And I was like, what mom? Okay. And we just trying to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand she's trying to protect me. And I think she's at a loss of what to do. Like she would say some insensitive things, but like, she's never been in that situation before. So she didn't know what to say. And so we talked about it and she was like, and I asked her, I'm like, why did you tell me these people were like, were pregnant before they had the baby? And she was like, well, I didn't know how it would affect you or how like you would react. And I'm like, mom, I'm going to find out anyway. And, and, and I think South Asian culture is based on a lot of toxic positivity. So I got a lot of, you know, don't be sad, just be positive. I'm like, okay, mom, I can't just be positive. Totally. No. And I, and I think she's learned through me that you know emotions are okay you know 
Absolutely. Be feeling sad, angry, you know, it's okay. It's okay to feel jealous. I was so jealous of those people who had like babies and I'm like, and it was around the same time I was supposed to have my baby. So, which made it even worse, but of you know, life happens and you know, you can't shield. I told my mom, I'm like, you can't shield these things from me. You know, I know you're trying to protect me, but I need to go those, through those emotions to heal. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm the, so glad you said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the one interesting thing is I know my aunts and uncles know I went through a pregnancy loss, but they did not say anything to me, which I hate so much. And like, I recently told them that I was pregnant and like, oh, congratulations. And I'm like, why couldn't you say, I'm sorry for your loss when you found out? That was another thing that really like. Yeah. What did they me. say? Oh, about, I didn't mention that to them when like, when I was like, oh, you didn't say anything to me when I, I lost the baby, my first pregnancy. So, I mean, but when I told them I was pregnant the second time or not the third time, they're like, oh, congratulations. We're so happy for you. you're like this is interesting (laughs) I'm a very confrontational person so I definitely would have called them out like uh this is convenient (laughs) and that's the one thing I was like I'm getting more like open and honest with my mom too I'll be like I don't like that you said that or yeah being confrontational where I'm like I want to say something to her but I don't want her to get mad at me but it's like I want to say I think that's like kind of Americanness yeah so but it's, um, I feel like the Americanness and South Asianness, right? Like yeah, a lot of what of you're course. describing is like, so, um, I can't even be like, Hey, this is just South Asian culture because America yeah. also has toxic positivity around pregnancy. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. They also have this type of like, you know, don't say anything mm-hmm. to rock, you know? So it's like interesting. Cause it's like compounded by the fact that you have dual pressure on both sides. <laughs> yeah. The good vibes only. I hate that. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> And like, I hate it when someone comes up, like they have the good vibes only on their shirt. I'm like, okay, I can't say anything. Like, well, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Well, to end on a note of where you are yeah. in life now. So you are pregnant. How far along are you? I am pregnant. So I'm 25 weeks pregnant, um, almost in my third trimester. It's definitely been a journey. Um, a lot of anxiety, but I'm using like my yogic practices to really help me and understanding that it's okay to feel anxious sad or okay to feel sad because sometimes I am sad and you know and I'm also like I get jealous a lot because I'm a high-risk pregnancy Mm -hmm. I can't do anything so I get so jealous of like seeing other pregnant women do like their yoga pools and I'm like I can't do anything I know (laughs) I know it must be so frustrating it is but I have to tell like my yoga is being mindful of my body and just being mindful of my emotions and I have to keep reminding myself that I just miss the movement, but I have to remember this is temporary also. Absolutely. Yes. And you can, obviously there will be time when you go back to this too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And how have you been thinking about this in the lens? Cause I, I'm sure it's easy to say like, to still have fear, right. From past yeah. experiences at the same time you want to embrace, you know, like there, yeah. there has to be a time that it works. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. how are you talking to yourself? So for me, if, you know, there are some, like whenever we go to ultrasounds, I've, I've had thoughts on like, am I going to see the heartbeat? What's going to happen to the baby? But I always tell myself that I have such a great medical team. I'm doing like, I'm not, I'm doing everything I can to keep this baby. There's, but even in my first pregnancy, you know, I did everything I can. It just happens. But, you know, I'm just telling myself, you know, you're doing everything you can to do to keep this pregnancy. 
and you know we've like you know we're having a, a um you know we just painted like the the nursery and like kind of focusing on the good things but also noticing when I'm kind of like getting in my deep hole of like oh my god is this baby gonna survive I'm like wait everything's fine you know it's just I someone was telling me like when everything is going okay your brain just wants to protect you and be like all right this could happen this could happen exactly this could be wrong, you know yeah so it's just like really I do a gratitude practice every morning I just say like two things I'm grateful for and, and you know I stay away from the news and anything that I feel like is negative I just try to really you know watch funny things and just keep myself surrounded around people who I, I love and and support me I love that. My, my therapist also echoes something similar of when mm-hmm. you tell yourself negative things that can happen, it's almost a yeah. way to control the thoughts and have some control yeah. over your thoughts. And sometimes yeah. it's easier for people to think of what could go wrong mm-hmm. than what could go right. And yeah. but she would always question me, like, how is that working for you though? Like when you do <laughs> yeah. that, like, is that yeah. actually helpful? And you're like, well, yeah. okay, you have a point. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate how you've been, you know, of course I can't imagine that it's easy, like, but yeah to be able to think about what can you control and what you can't, um, and just have to kind of take the cue. Um, yeah, yeah, what happens? So, um, I'm wishing you so much health and all the rest and all the positivity, (laughs) not toxic, but positive thinking of (laughs) outcomes, um, during this time. And I can't thank you enough for being open about your story. I think a lot of women would resonate with this. A lot of men who have perhaps supported women or women who have supported partners going through this, Mm-hmm. Um, I will end with a fun little round if you're open to it. Of course, yeah. So shifting gears a little bit. So our chip chip round, I'm gonna ask you a question mm-hmm. and you have to whatever comes first to your brain. First question. Um, what is the biggest craving that you have during pregnancy? You know what? Right now I'm craving a lot of Indian food. So mm-hmm. I'm craving like idlis and dosas, which I hated when I was younger, but now I want them all the time. (laughs) Yum. Yeah. That is a good choice. What is the most, if you're ever having a bad day, what is the most comforting movie that you can throw on and just feel like, ah, (laughs) cloudy with his stands of meatballs. I'm such a kid at heart. I love like all those cartoon movies. So yeah, that is so cute. (laughs) What is your favorite yoga pose? Uh, Shavasana. Oh yes, that's I was like, wait, that's the dead man's pose, right? And like, of course, everyone loves that. And that's like pretty. I mean, it changes like pretty much every couple of months, but that's pretty much. Well, I can't just shove on my back. I'll do it like on my side, but that's pretty much the only one I could do right now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, you said you live in Florida, so what is something that you just adore about Florida that perhaps people like don't understand about it? You know, that's such a funny question because Florida is just such a weird state, but I am, I love the like variety of flowers we get here throughout the year. I love the colorfulness. I love how we can go out and like walk like 10 months out of the year. And I live like 10 minutes away from the beach. So it's like nice whenever I want to just go to the beach and get some air. So yeah, it does sound like a really beautiful place. Mm. And then lastly, over the few years, if you know, from what you've been learning and teaching mm-hmm. yourself and challenging yourself with, what mm-hmm. is a motto that you have adopted for yourself? That's a good question. Um, 
I would just say a motto is just be authentic to myself. I used to be such a people pleaser. And I think last year I grew a lot and I was like, you know what? I wasn't being happy pleasing other people. So if something doesn't feel right with me, I'll always listen to my gut and just about, all right, be authentic. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Don't listen to what other people say. Even my mom. So. Absolutely. Oh gosh. Thank you so much, Namrata. I am so happy we got to talk and I'm, I'm just so grateful for your story and you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, thank you. That's sweet.